welcome back to the Hilton Barn podcast. So today I have one of my favorite all-time guests on the show. Um, probably say more like a co-host or is going to be more like a co-host. That's my wife, Kristen. Um, she always has amazing, uh, amazing info, insight, wonderful things to say. So um, we were just doing a workout. It's currently Wednesday morning, the day before Thanksgiving, and she wanted to wake up at 5, 5 a.m. and do a workout, and um, so that's kind of what I really wanted to talk to her, uh, talk uh, this podcast about and talk to her about was that idea of waking up early and just kind of attacking your day, so where did you get that from? But first off, hello, Kristen. Hi, what's up? <laughs> I should probably do that first before I go right into it. Anyhow, um, <clears throat> so where did you kind of come up with that? Where did you get that idea? How long have you been doing that? Well, I can't say the idea is originally mine. I wish it was. I wish I was that compelled to be that motivated so early, but it's honestly something I had to learn. But um, it was at the suggestion of you and our good friend Susan and I think Jeremy and I think Joe also, um, all of whom which listen, so hey guys. Um, the 5 a.m. Club. It's a book, and it um, is a lovely story about some people. And uh, the author narrates into their lives just the thought and the ability to wake up at 5 a.m. and just maximize your day, just to own your day like a boss and not wake up and kind of nonchalantly fall into your day and wake up stressed out and stuck on social media and checking emails the first thing you get up, but to totally just kind of disconnect and spend the first few hours of your day every day just taking care of yourself. Um, so that includes waking up at 5 a.m. for me uh, at the suggestion of the book. Generally is a workout, 20 minutes or longer. Uh, then I try to stretch for about 20 to 30 minutes. And then I read my Bible. And I meditate and I pray. And those are the things I do. So <clears throat> what, what do you think has changed since you started uh, kind of implementing that? Well, I know my attitude. Um, I also don't want to lie and say it was completely easy at first. Um, you know, there's many days I hit snooze. And, uh, you know, the book suggests just to get up first thing because um, your brain does this automatic thing where it switches into just kind of like autopilot. Pilot. Um, and it, it kind of wants to do what's worst for you. And it's a real mental task and a forging of mental toughness to actually get up first alarm, get up and uh, do stuff. So it's changed my mindset in a lot of ways where I'm the type that makes myself um, feel like I've kind of failed in a certain way. If I don't, if I say I'm going to do something and then I don't accomplish it or I don't do it, uh, I tend to be pretty hard on myself. So that's kind of a way I motivate myself to get up in the morning is I tell myself, no, you said you're going to get up. Don't be lazy. Just get your butt out of bed and, and, do what you said you were going to do. So it's changed that. It's changed the way I shape my day. Um, on the days I work, I get up much earlier. And I know I can't complain because Seth gets up at 3.30 every day. But on the days I work, I get up at 3.30 and my day starts at 4 for working out. Mm. On the days I'm off, I get up at 4.45, 4.50 and my day starts at 5. So when I'm home, I'm able to get a workout, get in a stretch, get in my reading then I do some housework and kind of do some things around the house. And then I get the kids up and I homeschool. So they have the tendency to get up a little bit later than kids that 
you know, are going to a public school, they have to check in at 7 o'clock, 7.15. But, you know, I generally have my kids up by 7.15, 7.30, and then we go about our day. And it's just, um, it kind of puts me in a different mental space because I've already taken care of myself. My day doesn't start automatically taking care of, care of everyone else's needs. Um, I've already filled myself up, so I have the ability to fill up my children and everyone else that I encounter through well, the day. This kind of reminds me, we were... I don't know if I was talking to you about this, but um, last night in Acton, I was talking to one of the guys who was really struggling. His brother um, just had some issues with some, yeah, I don't want to tell his personal business, but he really wanted to help his brother, but he is in the middle of trying to get help himself. And so we had talked about the whole idea of um, the oxygen mask coming down from an airplane. And you guys may have heard this, or may, maybe you haven't, but this isn't my original idea. This comes from somebody else. But they were saying how you need to, you know, there's a lot of lessons you can learn from that, that you put the oxygen mask on yourself first, that you need to breathe. If you're not breathing, if you're not getting oxygen, there's, you know, you might be able to help somebody for a second, but not for the long term. And it's not really good help because you're depleted. You're, you know, you're kind of toast. So I would say that this has a lot of implications for that. You know, you're talking about waking up, homeschooling the kids, doing all these other things. And then if you're not, you know, receiving that oxygen, if you're not receiving that kind of that filling your cup back up, you know, um, I could probably r run off a million little, you know, uh, pithy quotes about things, but you know, you can't pour from an empty cup and you know, all of those things, but they're also true that if you're trying to pour yourself out for the sake of the kids, if you're trying to homeschool and this has, you know, implications, even if you don't homeschool all you, you know, moms out there, even if you're not homeschooling, but if you are taking care of the kids, if you are the one getting them out the door, you know, um, there for your significant other, and then you're having to go to work yourself, that's a lot the first thing in the morning. And by the time you get to work, you're exhausted, you know, and you don't have anything else to give. And then you're expected to come back home and do all of the stuff all over again. Um, so... Um, maybe do you feel like that at all? That it's kind of, excuse me, you know, putting the oxygen mask on first for yourself. Yeah, I absolutely think that is the case. Um, I know even when my kids were in school, every morning woke up, we woke up just kind of in a frenzy, you know, alarm clocks, get up, get out of bed, hurry, get ready. We got to get out of the house, get your breakfast. Then you're dealing with school traffic and drop off and all that stuff. And it tends to be pretty stressful. You know, and then most moms go to work immediately. They're not all moms are as lucky as I am to have only worked two or three days a week their whole career. But, um, you know, it's just like you start off in this frantic frenzy of just rushing and going and then, you know, whatever may happen at work or throughout your day. But to get up just a few extra hours early, you know, you're really owning your day and you're really just operating out of a full cup, you know, as you had referred to, instead of just like on this flight or fight frenzy all morning just to get the day going and get everyone where they need to go. Um, it's funny that, <clears throat> cause I, you know, I read the book too and what's funny about it is I kind of had heard some, I guess I uh, was, yeah, heard some of these principles from different outlets like Ed Milet, one of my favorite podcasts. Um, he talked about, you know, not checking any electronics or anything prior you know for the first 30 at least the thir first 30 minutes or so of your day and so that's one thing that i i had already implemented um prior to reading the book 
And so, and it was for the same reason is because, you know, everybody has smartphones nowadays, or I would say most people have smartphones nowadays. There was a moment where I had a flip phone. <laughs> True. Like uh, six months ago. Well, I, 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 I roasted my iPhone 10 and I didn't want to buy another one because the new ones were coming out. And I told myself, I was like, you know what? I could do it. And I still have it in my backpack, actually. Uh, every now and again, I when I get a bunch of text messages and alerts, I, I think about going back to it because it's, it's kind of liberating. Anyway, not to go too far off in the weeds there. Um, but Ed Milet had talked about not checking, you know, not checking your email, uh, emails or text messages or any alerts that come on your phone. Just don't even look at it for the first like 30 minutes to like, I think an hour of your day, because he says it puts you in a mode. It puts you in this reactionary mode and you stay in that reactionary mode for the rest of your rest of your day, as opposed to waking up and maybe thinking, and this is maybe one of the things we want to transition to considering tomorrow is Thanksgiving is thinking about all the things you're grateful for. Um, all the things that, you know, just kind of some visualizations and like active, active visualization, thinking about your day, thinking about, um, you know, maybe what you want to accomplish, setting some goals. Um, like Kristen mentioned, getting some of your reading done. Um, if you want to read your Bible or read whatever book you might be reading, get some of that in, um, just all of those things. And it really does change the kind of the cadence of your day, the pace of your day. Uh, that you're not in this reactionary, instant, stressed out, like. It's the one thing about the smartphone thing that I think there's probably some study somewhere or there will be about rise, probably like rise in anxiety and correlation with, you know, smartphones and how helpful those little uh, red dots are over, you know, your texts or emails like. That's something that's supposed to be a help, but realistically, I think every now everybody looks at that and just gets a sense of anxiety. You know, I know. I, I mean, maybe I'm just speaking about myself, but if I, you know, I get most of my communication for work and a lot of other things that I do and some of the ministries I'm in through email. And so, if I have that little red dot with a number on my email, I'm like, oh my gosh, I gotta check that. You know, and it instantly puts this, you know, stressor on your life. So I'd say waking up too early or waking up early and then checking that first thing is going to instantly put you in this like reactionary, stressed out, anxious mode of, oh, my gosh, I got to get the things done, as opposed to you setting that pace to your day. You know, it's kind of like we've all seen them, right? Me and Kristen just did a workout. So maybe I'm maybe I'm just kind of gym minded right now. But, you know, you've always seen like the gym fails. If you've watched any YouTube or any of those shows. I think it'd be like the difference of you getting on a treadmill, right? You get on a treadmill, you hit go, and it starts what? At like a number, like a point one or something. It starts this really slow cadence, and you start walking. And that you sit there and turn it up and turn it up and turn it up to set the pace, to the pace you want to go. And that's kind of like waking up and not checking anything and just you setting you, you, you deciding what pace you're going to you're going to start at. As opposed to if you've seen the gym fail videos, there's the guy who turns it up to like seven, like level seven. And he tries to he has his feet on the outsides of the edge on the on the little grippy tape. And he jumps on and tries to hit the ground running and gets like thrown right off. You know, it's kind of like that. It's like something else has set the pace. And you're trying to catch up and then you just try to play catch up all day long. 
And I think that's the importance of you really kind of owning your morning as you set the pace of your day, not some other things or, you know, you know, smartphones were supposed to be a companion to us, not the other way. We're like, we're not supposed to be like a, a companion to them or a slave to them. It's meant really meant to be the other way. So um, with that, like gratefulness wise, Kristen, what do you how how what do you how do you express your gratefulness in the morning like what's the best way for you to kind of like dive into that or maybe there's some practical um, ways that you implement that well for me it's kind of looked like a lot of different things but um, just to touch on the waking up early again as if we haven't you know beat that dead dog into the ground but your body wants to naturally wake up in your fight or flight in your your basic like archaic caveman brain your survival mode you want to fight you want to fly you want to run and you want to fear and that's what your brain normally wakes up to so to switch that to make that shift you have to make an active effort to wake up in gratefulness or to wake up and do something for yourself otherwise you're going to remain in that state all day even if you don't know it you you subconsciously do it and if you really look at how your day plays out you'll see little hints and little clues as to you know how that all works out you know, when you take the time for yourself in the morning and you find your gratefulness, um, it can really, really change how your day looks. So for me, I implement um, something I learned in the book, and it's the total bubble of tight focus, I believe it's called. Um, and so I get up, I get my clothes on, I get my shoes on. I don't allow any excuses because I can give myself excuses all day. And I get out to the gym. I'm lucky. I'm fortunate enough. And maybe this is something I'm very grateful is I have a gym in my backyard. So I don't have to go far. But to do this, you don't have to have a gym. You can do push-ups and jumping jacks and a little circuit of things in your living room. It doesn't take much. You just have to get the body moving for a minimum of 20 minutes. It gets this, the dopamine and all the good neuroreceptors going or um, neurotransmitters, I mean, going. And it, it kind of sets the pace for your day gets all those positive endorphins flowing, all the juices going to a point where you can really focus just on you and what you're grateful for. Um, you know, if you believe in God, you can be, you can be thankful to God for all of these things. So I get up, I work out. And when I first started, I worked out to no music, complete silence in the dark, in the barn. Well, I had the lights on the barn, but you know, the surroundings outside were dark and it just, allowed me to like breathe in the cool air and there's something so beautiful about waking up before the sun comes up you're able to see that beautiful creation every morning you know because it's different every morning today we have clouds and rain so we're listening to rain falling on the tin roof of our barn right now maybe you can hear it maybe you can't but there's something so peaceful to that to know that like that just is falling from the heavens and it's reaching us you know kind of makes you feel like you're a part of it you know you're you're a part of more than just you or or your immediate family, you're a part of this world in this place. So I use that time just to be, to be grateful, you know, and in that bubble of tight focus, I don't allow any uh, fearful thoughts. And if you've ever studied the Enneagram, I'm a number six, I'm a fear driven person. Um, just naturally, that's kind of what I resort to. It also doesn't help that I was a trauma nurse for most of my career. So I've seen every awful, horrible thing happen to people. And I internalized all of it um, through my whole career. We had no debriefings. We had no one to talk about us about the things we saw or talk to us about the things we saw. So I internalized all of it. 
till I hit my breaking point. So that's another, maybe a podcast for another day. But I generally tend to uh, naturally revert to fear. So for me in that time, I don't allow it. Um, if a fearful thought or a worry or a concern, you know, generally my husband's on the road while I'm working out. It's not uncommon for me to worry about him getting to his location safely. I don't allow it. I just say, you know what, this is my time. This is my total bubble of tight focus. This thought is not allowed right now. And for me, because I believe in, in God and Jesus Christ, I just say, you know, Holy Spirit, just fill me up. I can't, I can't have this thought right now. I'm not going to have these thoughts. I'm not going to let this dictate my day. And I just take some deep breaths and I am thankful. I'm thankful from everything for waking up and breathing to being able to swallow water. I mean, how many people, a lot of people can't do that, you know, a lot, a lot. Um, I'm thankful for being able to just have free thought and free will. Think of how many countries can't, people live in countries where they can't get up and they can't do things freely like we can, you know, all those things down to the roof over my head the provision, and even the struggle. I'm thankful also for the struggle because my life is nowhere near perfect. And I'm also thankful for the things that I've had to go through that have like really forged the strength in my life, both mentally and physically. Wow. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's so hard is that, again, I've, uh, I've always tried to practice the active listening thing. But that's also a problem with me is so I'm listening to you and I'm like, oh, man, this is this would be something really good to say right now. And then like you move on and then I forget that last thing. But <laughs> so take notes. That's what I'm always telling Thomas, our son, take notes. So I had like five good things to say during what you just said. And then I, I forgot all of them. You know, you know, actually, OK, this is one of them. Um, again, in uh, the one of our ministry things that we do, we go to act in rehab. And I was talking to a guy. He said, you know, this has implications whether you believe in God or not. Um, he was asking me, he's like, hey, how do I, how do I not always just run to God with all of my problems? Like, how do I, where do I start talking to God? I feel like every time I just only tell him all of, you know, I only go to him when my life is crazy or my, I need something. And I was like, well, and I, I guess I, I, I more or less pulled off these principles about waking up in, you know, kind of like a gratitude exercise. And he's like, well, what, what, do I, what should I be grateful for? And I was like, well, I mean, I understand that it might seem hard to find things to be grateful for. And, you know, when you're in the mix of it, like depression's a real thing. If like you're if you're in the middle of us, you know, a period of depression, like it's really hard to find to see the see the light you know at the end of the tunnel it's, it feels like everything's dark and everything's closing in around you but i told him i was like hey you know just start like you have five senses you know start with those there's five things to be grateful for that you can see and you can feel right touch taste you know that that right there there's five things and that might seem stupid but that's just a place to start you know that at the bare minimum not everybody is even guaranteed those five senses, right? Some people don't have their eyesight, you know? Um, so start there. And if all you have is four of them, then be grateful for, for four of those things. And it's, it's really amazing that you could just start there, like, God, thank you for this ability, you know? Thank you for, thank you for letting me wake up again. You can start there. So gratitude doesn't have to be this, you know, very articulate 
amazing sounding, you know, speech of all of the things that you're grateful for. It could just be, hey, thank you for allowing me breath in my lungs. And then just focus on that breath coming into your lungs, you know. Think about uh, wherever you're sleeping that you have a place to sleep or something covering your head. I mean, I get lost in this so much. I get my my mind goes wandering all the time and realistically i have so much to be grateful for and that's probably why it's probably two things why i have over the years i remember as a kid you know you i was always so stoked about christmas because you know you got presents and stuff and thanksgiving was awesome too but i always really loved christmas you know because every kid i think likes christmas um for the most part but as the years have gone by, I really love Thanksgiving. I think it's like my favorite holiday, not just because of all the delicious food, but because it's that day that you really, really, I always get this way. I always really start to get really thankful. And I wish it would, I feel like it spreads throughout the year. But that ability just to really focus in on the things that you're thankful for or grateful for um, that you know, and I think that's, yeah, the second thing was uh, my two things. Thanks for, thankful for Thanksgiving. And I probably have a pretty big distaste for Black Friday <laughs> because huge. <laughs> I probably he hates it. <laughs> well, we don't get any deals in our household. I don't even bother. Just because I just see what it does to humanity. It's it's gone beyond. Oh, I want a good deal on a flat screen. It's now. I'm going to beat people up in Walmart and avoid Thanksgiving with my family so I can get a iPhone. Yeah, it's <laughs> well. And then they take that iPhone and the very first thing they do is go on YouTube to see all the people who were fighting on Black Friday in which they got that deal. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like we. Yeah. We, well, there are some good people out there. We can't generalize across everybody, you know. Yeah, I know. And we understand the struggle of those that have to do it because they have no other choice. But. I guess it's not that it's not that I'm trashing on the deal part of it. I'm trashing on the fact that it it's now it's now cutting into it's like you're sacrificing one holiday for the sake of the other. It's your you know your you know it used to be like Black Friday was actually on a Friday. Now it's like Thanksgiving night. People are doing deals, and I've heard of people who are you know they're they're planning their Thanksgiving dinner so they can be done early enough to go start hitting deals and it's like that's i mean you guys might hate me for this but that is the most insane thing i've ever heard in my life that you're going to take a holiday that you're supposed to be grateful about life and family and all of this and you're like oh yeah i'm so grateful for you so grateful that i'm going to say peace out because i got to go get me a flat screen <laughs> like that is insanity to me um and that it's just you know i don't know that it, it really does, you know, it's really kind of bringing out who we are as a culture and what we're, what we show that's important. And, and again, so kind of circling back a little bit to all of these things is that what, what by waking up early, having these exercises of gratefulness, getting some, you know, a workout in, it really shows yourself and, you know, your family, your kids, your spouse, what is really important to you. You look like you got something to say over there. Yeah, well, I just wanted to bounce back to your senses. Um, it made me think of Helen Keller. You know, I 
just recently taught Kayla about Helen Keller. We learned about Brell and everything and her life and her story. And if you've never heard of Helen Keller um, or you don't know about her, her she, she lived a beautiful life. She was born in 1880 and she lived, you know, obviously through the early 1900s. And she was a terribly misunderstood child, born deaf and blind, or uh, yeah, deaf, blind and mute, right? Yeah. I uh, brain farted for a minute there. Sorry. And um, her parents never understood her. She was just kind of this outcasted child until um, a beautiful young lady named Annie Sullivan came into her life and was able to teach her how to speak, you know, using her senses. Um, because, you know, it's said and studied and understood that when you lose one sense that the others are heightened in one way or another. And so for her, she had her touch, you know, she was able to touch. And that's ultimately how she learned how to uh, speak. You know, her first encounter was touching water at the well. And then Annie would spell out W-A-T-E-R on her hands. And once she finally clicked, it was like this huge revelation. But her life is beautiful. And she says, um, you know, going back to, you know, we were talking about being grateful and, and, you know, just kind of like, owning your day and those kinds of things. Um, Helen Keller says the only thing worse than being blind is having sight, but no vision. And it's so true because how many of us do have sight, but we have no vision for our lives. We have no vision for how we want to walk out our day, how we want to treat our children or our spouses. And we kind of just blindly fall into these situations or these things, you know? And she also touches on the struggle. You know, obviously she had huge struggles in her life. And another thing she says is, although the world is full of suffering, it's also full of the overcoming of it. And you have to take that active step to actually overcome the suffering because everybody has it. You know, if you think you're alone and you're suffering, you're not. Everybody has suffering. It just looks different for every person, you know. So maybe that could be my encouragement for you today as you go about your day and falling into Thanksgiving tomorrow, you know, is don't be don't have sight, but be blind, you know, use your sight to be thankful and grateful for the things that you do have, you know, reverting back to our friends over in Acton Rehab. We're constantly reminding them that it's a complete and total blessing that they're there. You know, their lives are turned upside down. They, they're losing their kids. They're going to court. Some of them, it's a last chance, you know, because they've, they were in prison or jail. They're either going back to it or this was their last chance to stay out of it, to get their life back together. And their only option is to look at that as a huge privilege. And I'm thankful that I don't have that struggle in my life, but I am very sympathetic and empathetic to those that do. And, um, yeah, just being grateful is not just strictly one day you know out of the year like Seth was talking about it like pouring into the rest of your life if if you can even start small find one thing every day that you're grateful for and then when you're when you're good at at conquering finding one thing find two find three four five write them down start making lists and before you know it you're going to be going about your day just being like wow I'm so grateful for these leaves rustling on the ground right now they're so beautiful and you're going to start noticing all the little things You know, it's in all those quiet moments that you really can fill yourself up when you're super stressed out or you're going through something really hard. You know, once you've trained your brain to get off that fight or flight cycle on that wavelength and you kind of create your own new wavelength, it's proven. There's studies that prove that you can shift. You can make that shift and you can grow new neurons and things, you know, the neurons in your head that help to um, transmit positive reinforcement, positive thoughts, 
to help you kind of overcome your struggles, you can really regrow those things, but it takes work. It's not going to happen on its own. You have to make an active effort to do those things. And I, I do it every day. You know, it's like, I'm thankful for this rain. I'm thankful for, um, you know, the sunshine, thankful for breath in my lungs, all of those things. And before you know it, it's just natural and you don't even think about it. Yeah. Um, you know, I was thinking when you were talking and uh, I was thinking about design, you know, being grateful for things. So design for me is pretty important, especially for what I do. Sorry, I should get close to the mic. Um, design for me is uh, a pretty important concept because I'm, I'm a building inspector. And so there's always a design to buildings. And um, I don't think this is unique to me. And the reason why I bring this up is because as humans, we were designed that, that there is, it's not an accident the way we're made up, right? You know, if it was, then when somebody might come with a, a liver in their head and their brain down in their foot and you know what I mean? There's, there's a specific design of how we're put together and we're put together in that way to thrive and to live this life. So in, in, in doing construction and doing um, structural steel, the big steel buildings that I do, that same thing. Like you can't just switch around parts. That everything was, has a place and it needs to go there and it, it needs to be that way to function in the way it was designed to function. And so our lives can be very much the same way. Our mornings, and that's the whole thing that we're talking about, is that most people, I think, there's no design to their day. I mean, don't even, I mean, to try to design your life, I mean, that's a great concept, but it, it's probably a pretty hard undertaking when it feels like you're just doing what you can to, you know, breathe, you know. So start start small. Design this first hour of your day, you know, and maybe work up to trying to design your morning and then design your day. And then you start doing those things and you can put together a good week and a month and a year and a life, right? So I think for some so many of us, we, we don't even think about designing our day. We just like, we're just reacting. We're just like, you know, as opposed to if you think about bowling, right? There's a design, like my design or my plan is that I'm going to throw this thing right down the middle, this bowling ball right down the middle and, and catch a strike, you know, right? The rest of us, you know, without a design, it's like, I'm going to stand back by the chairs. I'm going to roll the ball. And if there's like the, the there's like the borders that sometimes the little uh, those the gutter things bumpers. they put bumpers bumpers you know it's like I'm just gonna let this ball bounce down the bumpers the whole way and it's just gonna land where it's gonna land and I think that's a lot of us in life is we just get bounced around and then we just end up somewhere and um I realized too that design just because I'm an inspector that's not a unique concept to me that's most people have this they just don't understand it or they don't really recognize it maybe if you're really into cooking like say you're say you're the you know the stay-at-home mom who is the one that's in charge of cooking and cleaning and all of that well there's design to that too you know you're probably really into recipes you know looking at recipes well that's a design that's a plan that's a kind of game plan right you don't just you can't just like, you know, if you're cooking chicken, you don't get a hot pan and then throw seasoning first and then at the very end put chicken in. No, you, you, you were, you know, there's an order to it. Like you cook the chicken, you season it, you do all these things. Well, um, Kristen's a nurse, right? 
there's a there's a design and a plan to that. She has to she has to be even if she's not like really like stoked on anatomy, she has to know it very well and and the order and operations that all those things have. Um, probably in all of your jobs, in raising children, uh, being in a relationship with somebody, there's a design and a plan. There's things that you have to do, and there's an order to those things, and that if you really have a game plan about how you're going to do those things, that each one of those interactions or relationships or jobs or whatever else will go much better or go smoother if you attack it with the idea of, I'm going to design this thing out. I'm going to plan this thing out. You know, So for your mornings, most people don't probably think about designing a morning. And that's really to kind of circle back to the whole book, the 5 a.m. club. Do you remember? It's Robin. What's his name? Um, Robin um, Look it up. Sharma or something. Sh- yeah, Ro- that's it. Um, Robin Sharma. And um, I know he's bald and young. <laughs> he has a like lot of other Mr. books. Mr. Clean, like the, uh, ooh, sorry, I just fell into the mic. <laughs> the super tan Mr. Clean. Yeah. Um, if we haven't plugged the book enough, um, I promise we're not getting paid by Robert Sharma. Not at all. But Robert, Robin, if you listen to this, what's up? Um, anyways, um, yeah, if you, uh, if you really think about designing your morning, you know, if, if nothing else, if that seems like too big of an undertaking, design your first hour that you wake up, the things that you're going to do. And then the book, he, he breaks it up in three 20 minute segments, but, um, that first, what does he call it, the golden hour? It's been a while since I've read it. Yeah, it's the golden hour. So the first 20 is some sort of high-intensity exercise where you get yourself sweating and uh, get those positive endorphins flowing and the juices going. The second 20 is like stretching and meditation and really just kind of introspectively looking at your life and you know where you're going in life and where you're at, where you've been, where you've been, and just kind of overcoming that. And then the last 20 minutes is supposed to be spent listening to, like, reading something. Um, I don't like using the term self-help too much, but I know there it's out there. So reading something that's positive, for me, it's Bible. Self-improvement. You can go self-improvement, with that. yeah. <laughs> or listening to a self-improvement podcast, something very positive. And it all, he breaks it all down so amazingly about the um like the biology and the physiology of it and how your brain works when you design your day that way. And he really only suggests doing it the first hour. You know, Seth and I are always over the top when it comes to anything. So I do 20 minutes or more of workout. I do 20 minutes or more of stretching when I have time. You know, when I'm uh, pressed by having to get ready to go to work, I usually do just an hour. But on my days off, it turns into sometimes two or three hours of just me, which is really good for you know, everyone, <laughs> everybody benefits. You know, it's funny is <clears throat> I've been, I've had people say like, so for me, I wake up early in the morning, you know, and then I, I get my stuff together and I drive and then I go down to a gym near my job site and then I work out there. And I've had a lot of people like, man, that's really awesome. You're crazy. That's just, uh. And it's funny is the whole time I'm driving, I'm sitting there thinking about how crazy Kristen is because she has to wake up and immediately get after it. She's usually done with her workout before I even get to the gym down below, um, down in L.A. And I'm thinking, like, especially right now, it's getting colder out, you know. Um, it's always darkest right before dawn. That's true. <laughs> well, you know, and it's... Or coldest, I mean. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's funny is that um, 
well, a lot of people think because we're in Southern California, it doesn't get cold, but we live in the high desert. And so it does get really cold. So I know some of the times that I've left my truck saying it's like 30, you know, 33 degrees and she's out there getting after it out in the barn or she's doing my other most hated thing. She's grabbing the Germans together, the German shepherds and going out for a run. Oh, barf. And um, <laughs> he can run. Don't let him underestimate himself. I don't, want, I don't like running. I you just look like Shaquille O'Neal out there, <laughs> <laughs> like vanilla Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know she'll she'll get she'll get out there and start running real early, and it's um, it, for me it's it's really inspiring, but it's it's really crazy seeing how it's changed her and um, how much she really does kind of take on these principles, but. And and I know that it, it's really kind of life giving to her. Like I said, doing the the homeschooling thing and and all of the things that she has to do during the day. But I guess that would be our encouragement to anyone listening to this is to one. I would recommend reading that book. It's a wonderful wonderful book. Ten um, pages a day. You'll be done with it in thirty days. Yeah, I think it's three hundred pages, give or take. Yeah, yeah, we do. T- that's you know what. So that's a principle not to open a whole another topic but that's a principle that really worked well for me because I've always wanted to read more books and I was really bad at doing that but then doing the 75 hard thing where it says read 10 pages a day and I was like oh that's easy I could read more than 10 pages a day but just breaking things down to 10 pages a day really kind of helped just fit it in one to my busy day of everything else I'm doing but then also just keeping me on track to like starting and finishing books. I, s- I started and finished more books in this year than I ever have in my whole entire life. Yeah, I read four in October. I've, I think I met like 15 books for this year. That's crazy. Yeah. And it, it's really helpful to kind of like, you know, break it down like that. So anywho, um, yeah, The 5 a.m. Club by Robin Sharma. That's a wonderful book. I would highly recommend Anybody to read that book, don't care where you're at in life, it would be really beneficial. And then two, you know, even if you don't, um, you can take our little takeaway from that book, which is, you know, start thinking about how you're going to design your morning. How are you going to plan it out? What are some of the first actions that you're going to do? How are you going to feed yourself mentally, physically, all of those things before you even get to the stresses of life? Because um, oh, I don't have my... Bible in front of me and I'm the worst about quoting but like one of my favorite verses is in Matthew um, is it Matthew chapter 6 around 30-ish give or take it's talking about <clears throat> it's, it's talking about why do you worry why do you worry about this or that clothes you know um, you know the birds of the air they don't feed or spin or so or you know spin or so but uh, have any storehouses but yet the God feeds them every day so why are you worried about tomorrow? Let tomorrow worry about itself. You know, today has enough worry of its own. Worry, you know, let tomorrow worry about itself, basically. I know I paraphrased that like crazy. But anyhow. Matthew 6, 25. Oh, yeah. Thanks. You're welcome. I do have my phone in front of me, but I knew it was 625 before you started. <laughs> Whatevs. It's from all that reading first thing in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, that <clears throat> basically the idea is there's going to be worry in this life. There's going to be worry in every day. There's going to be worry in every year, every situation. There's, there's going to be something to worry about. So don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough to worry about. 
you know, think about right now, like, how am I going to, how am I going to posture myself or position myself in a way that can lead me to gratitude, that could lead me to improvement or being a better mom or being a better dad, a better son or daughter, husband, wife, better employee, a better, um, you know, someone who serves better at church or serves the, the homeless community around you, um, just serves your neighbor. How can you just be a better, you know, how can you position yourself to do any of those things better? You know, um, sorry, you're moving up to the mic. So I was going to stop and let you talk. I'll stop talking. I have, you know what I realized? Sorry, <laughs> I'm cutting you off again. I realized that, uh, you fed me pre-workout before a workout and then we did a podcast. And so I'm trying like a lot to like really calm that down. I feel like I worked most of it out of my system, but I started the podcast and I felt like all super like, I don't know, like Tigger. Jittery. Well, no, I kind of <laughs> felt like Tigger. <laughs> I wanted to bounce around, but I had to sit still in front of a microphone. Jeez. <laughs> oh, man. Anyhow, on that note, kind of bouncing off of what he just said. Um, so, yeah, it's just so important. I just want to encourage all of you guys just to try to fill yourselves up in the morning because I know for me, like my personal experience with it was when I started homeschooling my kids, I thought, how am I ever going to do this? You know, I work, I take care of the household. I think I had like 22 animals at the time. Some have passed away since then, but I still have a ton of animals. You know, I've got responsibilities outside the home, inside the home. Now I'm teaching my kids. I'm like, what the heck am I thinking? I was trying to fit in workouts and just try to do everything. And there were days where, you know, we get up and we're super rushed and maybe the kids aren't cooperating and I'm getting frustrated at them. And I learned very quickly I cannot multitask in homeschool. Like probably the most I can do is maybe a load of laundry, but then it doesn't even get folded because I do not do well when I'm trying to do something for the household and the children are like, oh, what about this? And I had to really just sit back one day when I was super frustrated with them and be like, what is your problem, Kristen? You are their teacher and they are coming to you because they have questions. This is your job. Get over it. You know, and there were days also where I'd just be like, well, I'm not going to get a workout in and uh, and I would just get so mad at them because of my problems or my selfishness, you know. And so honestly, for the last year, I've been getting up early. And then for the last, I don't know, probably, let's say three to four months now, right, when we started 75 Hard in July, so July, August, September, October, November, five months, I've been getting up early and working out. And you know what it's done for my life? Oh, it's changed everything. Because my workout's already done hours before the children get up. And that's important to me. If that's not important to you, I get it. But it's very important to me. And um, that's already done hours before they get up. And then I've got my reading and I've done my stretching and I've done probably usually a load of laundry or some dishes with the kids wake up, the kitchen's clean which is a big deal to me too. Also, there's nothing worse than having dishes pouring out of the sink every morning, especially when you homeschool, cause you got to get stuff going and you're just like, when am I going to get to this? And I just felt all the tasks piling up and like, I could never get to them. And now it's like, I look at it and I'm like, how do I get all this done in the day? I've already worked out. The house is clean. The kids are educated by noon and we're kicking our feet up, ready to do something fun, you know? And it's just, it's totally transformed the way we do things. And so I would just love to highly encourage all of you, no matter what it looks like, get up, do something for yourself in the morning. 
and just see how it transforms you. And I also want to tell you, it doesn't happen immediately, the transformation. You know, I believe it's what, like 90 days to create a new habit and less than 20 for it to be reverse itself. So keep that in mind. You're going to get up for a week and you're not going to feel different. You're going to get up for two weeks and you may see small changes. Three weeks and you're going to start feeling like, okay, this is working. Four weeks and you're like, all right, I got this. Five weeks, you're going to say, I quit. I don't want to do this anymore. Six, you're going to try to talk yourself back into it. You know, so that's how the process goes. It's not like, yeah, I got up at five one day and everything's changed and I'm so different. This is amazing. Never do it again. The first day, you're probably going to feel like crap. (laughs) Yeah, you do. You give yourself all the excuses in the world. And my suggestion to you is, and I'm still guilty of this occasionally with the snooze alarm. I'm pretty bad about snooze sometimes. To me, it's just a suggestion, kind of like a stop sign at the mall. (laughs) You don't really have to stop. You just kind of roll right through it, right? So snooze, don't hit it. The second it goes off, get up, you know. And another thing to kind of help you do that is the night before, give yourself five things you're going to do the next day and write them down if you have to. And for me, it's don't hit snooze. You know, that's number one. Don't hit snooze. Do my workout. You know, accomplish this, this, and this before 8 a.m. And once you start having little micro wins throughout the day, you're going to be like, this is cool. You're going to see your energy levels going up. You're going to see your your outlook, your positivity, your thankfulness, your gratitude, your attitude. All of that's going to start improving. And it's something you have to do every day. It's not something you can do once or twice and change your life. You just have to keep doing it every day. But once you create those habits, it's going to be spilling out into others. Your kids, your family members, people around you are going to wonder what's changed and why you're doing these things. And they're going to start wanting to do them as well and and start implementing those practices. And you can change lives. You can change the world and the people around you just by doing these little things, starting with yourself and with your gratitude and thankfulness in the morning. Yeah. um, What does that mean? The dogs are fighting outside because it's raining and they're Germans and they know their person's in here. Oh, I'm their person and they're waiting for me outside the door in the rain. Again, it messes, messes with my listening skills. I was like really trying to tune into what you're saying, but I kept hearing what sounded like, I don't know. I don't know what it sounded like. <laughs> well, our one German shepherd is completely loyal. If you've ever owned a German, you know they're insanely loyal, but they always pick one human. So Ellie, to me, I am her human. Mm. She follows me everywhere. I can't do anything without her. And then we have the wild card, Harper, that we adopted. And she just wants to play and fight and be crazy get between you and yes so ellie tries to get to me because she's my human she has or i'm her human i have to be she has to be touching me all the time and harper just like no i'm gonna fight you (laughs) so they always just like kiss fight and like wrestle each other and constantly like within two feet of me and so yeah they're they're irritated that i'm still in here (laughs) oh man all right guys well i think we might wrap this up but just a couple things is one just um Think about your gratefulness. What are you grateful for, especially rolling into tomorrow, uh, being Thanksgiving? Think about how you can maybe exercise or, or, or um, reflect on your gratefulness, uh, the things you're grateful for. Um, and for those that you know are looking to maybe wonder how they can build their influence with their, like their kids or the people around them, just remember, especially kids, they don't really usually do what you tell them they they do what you do you know they do what they see so that the best way to influence them is lead by example right and people have been saying that forever but 
you know, don't just tell them, you know, your intentions, show them. Right. Um, and so, yeah, just that's our, I guess our encouragement. And just, we want to say thank you for listening to the podcast. Thank you for all the support, everybody. Um, for those that have shared this out, um, we really do appreciate that and just have a wonderful Thanksgiving tomorrow. Um, spend it with just warm people, wonderful friends, um, people around you. Um, yeah. And just, and really maybe start concentrating the things that you are grateful for. And if you need, if you need, um, ideas of things you might need to be grateful for when, like I said, I understand the depression thing that, you know, sometimes it, you, you don't even know. It's like you, you want to find something to be grateful for, to kind of pull you out of that hole. I mean, start with anything. Start with the fact that you have a working brain that is even allowed to have a thought, you know, um, that you might have 10 fingers or, <laughs> you know, whatever it might be. You just start small. I think sometimes when you get into uh, areas of depression, I know in the past for me, it's been like these big concepts that I couldn't conquer. I had a hard time looking at the small stuff to be grateful for. I was, I was really getting depressed about these humongous concepts. I felt like I had to, I had to, I had to reconcile the whole weight of the world. And realistically, all I had to really do is just appreciate the fact that I was breathing. And <clears throat> so tomorrow it's like some of us are going to have turkey. Some of us aren't. You know, some of us are going to have a Subway sandwich for Thanksgiving, but um, we can find gratefulness in all of those things. So with that being said, thank you again. Thank you for always listening. Uh, we appreciate it. And um, we'll talk to you guys soon. All right. See you later. Bye. Bye.